0: Riverside. to Garage Takes Season 3, Episode 14. Make sure if you have not done so already, you like, follow, subscribe to the podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you uh, get it, iHeartRadio, make sure that you uh, hook us up with that. Make sure that you also hook us up with a subscribe on that YouTube channel. We are trying to grow the Garage Takes YouTube channel. We greatly appreciate you doing so and sharing it out with somebody as well. Um, But we got a couple things to get into tonight. Brant, we've got to uh, talk a little Michigan football. We had Michigan football back this this past week, like actual football um, against Purdue. Biggest game of the year coming up here against Penn State. We gotta get into that. And uh Lions snoozed their way through a through a bye week. Um and, and some good things I think probably came from that. I think that bye week probably came at the right time. But we've got to talk a little mid season grades. I got some questions for you just as we kind of plan out the second half of the season. Um, but I wanna welcome you in first, man. How are you doing?
1: Fantastic, Dave. Um Amidst all of the sign stealing allegations, all the craziness, Uh, last weekend we got some football that was fantastic. But um, you know, it's really nice. It's really nice to know like that there's gonna be a huge spat over this whole thing. Like there is, there is just news coming out every day, Dave. Like it's a slow drip. Um, So we have stuff to get us through every day. Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, is popping off by the minute, whether it's Michigan reporters versus the national media, Ohio State versus Michigan, it seems every day now. Um, But, yeah, it's been entertaining, Dave, every single day.
0: Entertaining, to say the least, Brant. I got the first question is this. Will Jim Harbaugh be on the sidelines this Saturday against Penn State?
1: yeah Dave I I I really think he will be um I think that the Big Ten seriously was in such a bad way last week with all the complaints the athletic directors the coaches the presidents whatever it was everybody was up in arms the Big Ten then took the weekend thought about it Tony Petiti whatever came to Michigan on Monday after having his meeting um well he came to Michigan last Friday let me get that right had his meeting with Santa Ono, everybody, the media leaked the letter that Santa Ono had, had sent to Tony Petiti, basically asking for due process. Um, and that's great. That's great and all. But now, as we sit here Tuesday night, Dave, playoff rankings just released, Michigan is still on the top four. They're not going anywhere for the moment. But after all the facts have kind of started to really drip out, it seems like a fight that maybe the Big Ten doesn't really want to get into, and it can get uglier for other schools, as now media has picked up, hey, guess what? Rutgers and Ohio State were working together to give Purdue the signals for Michigan's football team last year. Okay, well, whether Connor Stallions was going to games, whoever was going to games, they had the signals. That's that's the that's the forefront of the story, is that they had the signals, they they think they knew what plays were coming, and that turns out that Michigan has been having it happen to them. Okay, so so at the end of the day, whether you were breaking bylaws that you'll probably get punished for, I, we're both in agreement on that, Michigan should be punished for anything that they were doing out of bounds. But, let's not be pot calling the kettle black, Dave. Let's not be those people. Don't let the Big Ten do that. Um... Because if everybody's acting in this manner, then it can't be just Michigan getting punished here. And the due process does need to take place at this point. So let's just start right there with that. Jim Harbaugh, I think, will survive this week. Um, and if he gets through this week, he's going to survive the rest of the season. That's where I'm at with it, Dave.
0: I think you're right. If he if he survives this week, I think he survives the rest of the season. We don't know what what's going to happen after that. Um, this whole thing is just... This whole thing is just wild. Um,
1: it's wild, Dave, and the other word I'll use is silly. It's becoming silly now, and it's becoming a major distraction, not just for Michigan. It seems to be leaking into other programs, and that's unfortunate. And the Big Ten really needs to step up and say, hey, this is an after-the-season situation. That's just what I think.
0: It It's just like with the whole – Connor Stallions, like potentially on the CMU sideline, wearing sunglasses, holding a blank clipboard. Nobody can identify this guy who who made it there. Now CMU's under investigation. Like this, (laughs) I'm laughing because it's like this is just it's wild to me. I was so I'm with you. I'll I'll wrap that piece up. Um, This is an absolute mess. Um, Part of it is Michigan just brought it on um, and. They deserve to be punished for it in whatever capacity that looks like. You can say, well, you know, I I don't know, Brandt, I, and I guess this is my opinion right now. I don't think Santa Ono does what he does and says what he says and that letter gets out and, and all of that. And, and is basically pushing his chips forward here against the Big Ten if he didn't have a pretty good feeling or some knowledge at this point that there is evidence lacking that's going to link what Connor Stallions did back to Jim Harbaugh. Now, look, don't get it twisted. Do I think that Jim Harbaugh and this coaching staff knew what was going on? Absolutely. That's my speculation, though. My speculation is very different than actual evidence. And if there's evidence missing here, um, and the Big Ten plans to come down and, 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 Slap their hand down on Michigan right now, like this week, this is gonna be a crazy legal battle moving forward um If you think it's messy now, it's about to get a whole lot messier here because there are several schools involved now, and it's like Michigan's holding on to this blackmail of like evidence against other schools. I mean, I don't know how how much the Big Ten wants to just rip the band aid off right now as we are down to the last few games of the, of the season and uh, don't get it twisted. There are millions upon millions of dollars on the line right now. Um, And I I just, I've never seen anything like this. I don't think either of us have. I'm sure there have been other scandals and different things leaked to other teams. This whole thing is just, it's crazy. I'll be curious to see how it plays out. I do agree. If, If Harbaugh, survives and is coaching on the sidelines against Penn State this weekend. I think he at least coaches the rest of the year. That doesn't mean that there aren't some consequences coming later down the line because there's certainly consequences coming later down the line. Um But, Brant, we did get to see football this weekend, and Michigan played against Purdue Um, I want to know your quick thoughts on that, your takeaways. I mean, Purdue is not a good football team uh, by any stretch of the imagination. The schedule set up nicely to have a little warm-up game after the bye week before you have to go travel to Happy Valley and play Penn State. Um, The score shows it was a blowout. Um, I was happy with it. I certainly wasn't overly impressed. Um, Quick, if you have any short thoughts on that game before we talk Penn State.
1: Yeah, and Dave, this is kind of a twofer because it will lead into what I think they need to do against Penn State is Michigan's got to find a way to run the ball, Um, and it didn't happen against Purdue, and their averages are down. the The offensive line, I I get it. They're seeing a bunch of stack boxes. That is going to happen. And JJ's doing what JJ needs to do um, for leading this team and being able to lead them down the field and put them in scoring position. Obviously, Blake Corum with the three touchdowns, Dave, but. That wasn't the story of the night, was it? It was more about J.J. getting chunk plays. I mean, 335 yards for the kid. Played outstanding. There is no doubt about that. But moving the ball between the 20s with the running game, we're not seeing it right now. And I think it's a big issue. And the other issue that they're having is they're okay in pass pro, They're not fantastic in pass, bro. Who's making the plays? JJ's being the eraser right now because there are some mishaps with that offensive line. And this is one of the problems that we talked about um, in the beginning of the year and kind of as we were going through the, the, the lighter part of the schedule, if you will. A lot of offensive line rotations a lot of eight, nine guys playing in the offensive line. Well, now it's crunch time, and we're going to need to know who those five guys are that's going to lead us there. Because, Dave, you and I both know, we don't want to see eight offensive linemen in the game, nine offensive linemen in the game. It's just a miscommunication nightmare. It's not a platoon situation with the offensive line. You can do that with your defensive lines. You can do that with your receivers, running back, whatever you want to do. Offensive line is the one position group that you do not want to be platooning.
0: Absolutely. Um, You can do that with your D-line. In fact, that's a good thing and a good strength of this team is the ability to rotate in. But when it comes to miscommunication, like you just said, Brian, on that O-line, look, it's got to be buttoned up right now. It is November and you are down to the final three games of your football season. I, I, I think my biggest... I mean a, a couple of things. First is yeah, like JJ has been outstanding. He didn't even play his best game um by far against Purdue. Um but he's slinging it for 335 yards and they don't win the game without JJ McCarthy. And then obviously this this defense as well, but I mean Purdue is not a not a good a good team um on offense or or defense, but especially on offense. Um I'm very concerned about the run game. Very concerned. And and I've heard some people say like, just wait. Like, you know, they're keeping miles off of, like, Blake, and they've got some stuff schemed up for Donovan. Brand. I'm not buying it. It is – we're heading into the second week of November. What is there to hide? Um, like, truthfully, this has been the identity of the football team over these last couple of successful seasons. Heading into this year, I mean, I think I was slapping the table saying, look – this is going to be the best running attack in the country. You bring back Blake Corum, you bring in Donovan Edwards, third-year guy who looked like—I mean, he looked like an NFL running back last year. And I kind of said for these first few, like the first few weeks of the season, I'm not buying that all of a sudden the Michigan fo- like the Michigan football rush game like regressed from last year. I just don't. Even if you can argue and say the O-line isn't what it's been these last two years, and and. Fine, that's fair. I don't think they're going to win the Joe Moore Award this year. Um, it hasn't regressed to the point where it's looking like it is. Um, we're not getting the chunk plays. We're not get. We are relying on JJ to keep us alive. We're in third and long positions or third and fives even, and it's like, look, your play action or you're counting on JJ to hit somebody in stride across the field, and it's worked. Um, you know, for obviously up until this point, you're nine and oh, but Brant, you're, you're going to play Penn state this weekend. You obviously still have the Buckeyes on the schedule. I don't know what to make of the, uh, of this run game. run game. Do I think this Michigan football team, the way it's currently constructed and the way they're currently playing, are they good enough to win the big 10? And are they the best team in the big 10? I, I still emphatically say yes. Um, and maybe I'll eat crow. We'll see. Um, but, but truthfully, I th- I think Michigan is the best team. I just, I don't know where that run game is. Um, and I mean, I guess we'll see who knows we, we will see if something pops pops off with that, hopefully here against, uh, Penn state. Um, one guy that I was just super impressed with Brian. I think we kind of talked at the beginning of the, the year is like, who's going to step up in this wide receiver core. Like you knew you had Roman Wilson, you knew Cornelius Johnson was coming back, but like, who's your wide receiver three? You're starting to see like Tyler Morris get some play out there. Samaj Morgan, true freshman, he's looking like he could be something special. Like they they need some of these guys to kind of come out from the woodworks and and show up this point of the year. And that had me kind of excited, like seeing Samaj Morgan make plays like that. Go ahead.
1: Yeah I mean you talk about the third option in the receiver room Dave it's obviously Colston Love and I I know that's I know that's the tight end room but you're, you're talking about a guy that can kind of like you took the end around right a guy that can give you a different element to this offense that maybe you didn't really want to show against Purdue but maybe you did for Penn State to be like hey when Samaj Morgan's on the field he might be taking this end around and all of a sudden You know, we're over the top with Cornelius Johnson or Roman Wilson or somebody. But now that they've seen it, they know in the back of their mind, hey, this kid's a real threat. So I like the fact of not holding something back. And Dave, when you were touching touching on the backs, um, you know, every Michigan fan wants to talk about this right now. The curious case of Donovan Edwards. like. Who is this guy? He seems to be a mystery this year and we're all waiting and we continue to say, just wait. We'll just wait on it. Dave, I'm at the point right now where if he doesn't show me something this weekend, I don't think we're getting anything out of him this year. Like this is put up or shut up time. And I know he's only getting 11, 12 touches a game. Still though, it needs to be better. Whatever it is, it needs to be better. And... We have a real problem right now, Dave, that I don't love to see. I know Michigan, we wanted to see JJ throw the ball more. He's been so efficient. He's been doing great. 37 times is a bit much. And I, and I, I love the number 30 to 35. 37 just, if you start to get into that 37, 40 times a game, I think that's a little too far past heavy. And I can't, kind of can't believe I'm saying that. But if this Purdue game was closer, JJ would have had to throw the ball 40, 45 times. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. I don't need to go into Happy Valley throwing the ball 40 to 45 times in the back of my mind. That seems like it's going to be a disaster, especially with the way that JJ can get loose sometimes.
0: It seems like it could be trouble, Brant. If I'm being honest, I I think you're spot on. I think if you're throwing it close to 40 times in Happy Valley, that's a problem. I, I, I think that they're going to have to establish the run, um, Blake Quorum needs to have a game. I'm, I'm with you. I'm I'm on the Blake train right now. Blake with Khalil Mullins. To be honest with you, I'm in the. I've almost like seen what I needed to see out of Donovan this this season as a running back, like a true running back. It's not there. Um, and not only like is it the patience, um, of hitting the holes and all that. Um, it's also just his ability to take contact. Like he he's not fighting through contact. He's not, you know his first point of contact it's like that's why he's getting a yard two yards a a carry at times versus even like Blake like same type of contact but he's shifty enough to fight through it gonna get you five yards on the same run so I'm I'm good on that at this point give me the the Blake quorum run it with him 20 plus times a game truthfully at, at, at this point I think Blake still has it in him um I think we'll, we're, we're going to find out if that, that extra gear is still there, you know, pre knee injury from, from last year. Cause Michigan's going to need it if they're going to, um, unlock the, the potential of what we think is a really special team to go and pursue a national championship. But look, Brant, the season starts this weekend. Um, it, it really does. Um, I know nine games is a lot to say that, but we have been talking since the beginning of September or even in August and said, look, the season doesn't start until November against Penn State well we're here um, Penn State they look beatable um, they now they had a really good game against against Maryland this this past weekend uh, but they look beatable but Brant they're a one loss team they've lost one game lost to Ohio State um, I guess your, your your thoughts on what Michigan is getting themselves into against Penn State before we shift into the Lions here
1: Dave, I'm so glad you asked me this question. I didn't know you were going to ask me this question, but I think this goes back to a, a big question mark coming into the season. And, and since Michigan has turned the flip the script since 2020, what's been the main Achilles heel for this team and this culture, a killer instinct, putting a team out of its misery. That's got, it wants it as bad as you do basically. And, You look at the TCU game, didn't get it done. Georgia, 2021, didn't get it done. The only time I really can remember the knockout blow, Dave, is the Ohio State 2021 game. I mean, the Penn State game of 2021, they were already eliminated. You're talking about you didn't eliminate Ohio State in 22 in that game because they still made the college football playoff. Really, that's all it boils down to is does this team and JJ McCarthy and Jim Harbaugh have the killer instinct to go into Happy Valley and get the job done. And right now, Dave, we don't have that answer. Like are you going to be are you going to be the team that turns it over three times and ends up losing late on a on a goofy field goal or something? Like you know and I know in the back of our minds that that is a real possibility because we don't see the killer instinct from this team enough. Like I watched Georgia this last weekend when they're playing Missouri. They're in a dogfight. But guess what shines through? That culture, that killer instinct, like, nah, you're not going to get us, though. Like, in the end, we're going to pull away. And that's what the great teams do. And that's what Michigan really needs to find. They need to have the leaders step up in that locker room in the second half in Happy Valley and step on somebody's throat.
0: Brant, last thing. um, I will say we're going to find out about Michigan is, um, and, and I'm not scared of this Penn State offense, but We've never seen Michigan have to play from this particular Michigan team have to play from behind yet. Um, and when you go to happy Valley, Brant, there's a good chance that you get stopped on that first drive. Take that first kickoff stopped. Penn state gets the ball, big play seven, zero seven, zero. And happy Valley is going insane, right? Like they're everybody. They hate Michigan. They Michigan number one target right now. Um, this is their biggest game of the season. Um, how do they respond? How does JJ respond? Is he calm? Is he cool? Is he collected? Is he the, the leader that this team needs him to be? Uh, Blake Corum, uh, Rod Moore, Mikey Sainer still. Like, these These are the guys that need to command this team and get them to the next level. And we're going to find out whether that killer instinct is there. Brian, to your point, we are going to find out. Um, and I almost, in a way, like sure, would I love them to come out and just mollywop James Franklin and Penn State, yes, I would. But there's another little piece in me that says, let me see them fight through a little bit of adversity this weekend. Just a little bit, just so I can see it before Ohio State. But, yeah, man, we're about to find out uh, what this Michigan team is, is is made of. All right, Brand, I want to shift us into the Lions here next before we get into to the bets this week. Um, Lions coming off a bye week. Brand, I read an article today. That said, and I just want to toss out some questions to you. We're we're the halfway point of the season, right? Six and two, outstanding start, um, sitting right towards the top of the NFL, um, towards the top of the NFC. We've we've hit that. We've talked enough about that. But, Brent, I read that all 53 players on the Lions roster practiced today. Your thoughts on that?
1: first time since can you remember dave i i don't know when the last time that happened i'm i'm gonna guess sometime in august would be my guess and that's a very cool sign and that's something that now we might get a little bit of a different squad here dave um which is exciting again we go back to this all the time what is the makeup of this team like it's the grit. It's, it's the, it, it is doing the dirty work. Everybody does their job. You know They all take it from the top, from Dan Campbell down. They have an identity, and the identity is to be tougher than you, to be more physical than you, and getting that offensive line to where it needs to be, boy, this is like the night of the offensive line show. Um, and that's going to be awesome because that's, that's Detroit Lions identity right now, the offensive line and pushing people around.
0: I completely agree, um, and I, I know we're not going to spend time really talking about the Raiders game, but what a great way to turn around and come back from just getting curb stomped against Baltimore. That's what good teams do. Um, just want to leave it at that. I, w- I will say, health, health, health. It's everything for every team, but especially the Lions. They get Frank Ragnow back, Jonah Jackson. And you're talking about the heart of the team. David Montgomery. Um, when Jameer Gibbs is starting to really kind of hit his stride right now, like... <clears throat> Excuse me. I just think that the Lions got healthy, got the bye week at the right time. I think uh, I'm really, really excited to see what they look like against the uh, the Chargers and, and moving forward as well. Brant I had a question for you about the Vikings. Vikings are like sneaky five and four. Josh Dobbs comes in like freshly traded, has to has to step in um, for, with an injury right right away. Had to play, got it done. Brant. Vikings are they a true threat in the north
1: as of right now, no, but let them win a couple games and they will be uh especially like Dobbs and, and O'Connell, man, O'Connell was just gushing about him. he loves him for whatever reason, but i I think it was one of those situations where the Vikings were starting God Dave, you're gonna maybe Jordan Hall Josh I could I can't remember the kid's name anyway, it was not Josh Dobbs right but he comes in and that completely flips a team. You know what I mean? From a defensive scheme, defensive game plan. Now, all of a sudden, Josh Dobbs is running around. Here's a touchdown. Here's a touchdown. Like, it was kind of awesome to watch because it was a really cool story. And I just happen to like Josh Dobbs. Like, I like his story. I like how he's kind of grinded through. I thought it was funny that the Cardinals didn't have his jersey in the store and like stuff like that. Like I think he's a cool story, but I think overall, like, they, he, he could potentially have this team in a position where it gets, I don't know, a little bit tight at the end of the season. We know that the games come, I believe, in week 15 and week 7. No, week, maybe week 16 and week 18 uh, for the Lions and Vikings to match up. And by that time, Dave, who knows, right? And, um, you know, the Lions, we'll get in the Lions schedule later, whatever. But I, I think when it and it boils down to it, they're not a threat right now. but But look out because Josh Dobbs is a real player now.
0: Yeah, Jaron Hall was the quarterback that went down, and when when he went down Dobbs came in, I mean, he is kind of just like that feel-good story right now. I'm not bought on the Vikings. I do think that they are good enough um, to beat the Lions in a game. I do like to take one of two, and that's huge. Um, and so they are on my radar. Like, are they a threat to win the North? I wouldn't call them that, but are they on my radar? Yeah, absolutely. In this horrible division, like, that is the team right now that the Lions should have their 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 sights on, and the the last thing on the Vikings is their defense too is just exponentially better under Brian Flores, um, and 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 I just think that that's something to to keep an eye on as as well moving forward. But no, not worried. No, are they on my radar now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Brent, I had a question for you about just the and I kind of brought this up when we were talking about Michigan, the Lions. Being able to win from behind. Now look, winning from behind in the NFL is hard to do no matter what team you are. Go back to that Baltimore game. Um, They got down early and it steamrolled from there. Do you think that this team is built to come back down two scores? We haven't seen it yet. I mean, we, we saw it against Baltimore, and it clearly didn't go well. Um, are you concerned at all about the, their ability to do that and, and just the way this offense is kind of constructed right now and, and the defense too? Dave, I okay, first of all, there, there's
1: kind of two things to unpack there. Did you see what the Ravens did to the Seahawks last weekend, by the way? like
0: The Ravens looked like <laughs> the best team in the NFL.
1: So let's let's put that to the side right now and just kind of throw that game out because after they came out after that weekend, Lamar's playing at a in an elite elite level right now. Very good from him. The Ravens are clicking on all cylinders. I just wanted to put that out into the universe. Anyway, now let me get into your question about can they come back? I do believe that this team is built to come back from a two, two and a half, three score deficit, um, if you will, you know, the fourteen, seventeen, twenty-one point deficit levels. Now, I don't think that the defense, I don't think the defense, um, I, I, okay, I'll put it this way. I don't think the defense is built to win you games. I think that the offense is more built to come back in a game to win you a game, if that makes sense, Dave. So I, I would rather rely on, my offense, uh, on the Lions offense doing things. To come back in a game rather than be like, hey, man, we're up seven. You can't give up a score and then give up another score.
0: Follow-up question for you right there. So right now the Lions are currently still ranked as a top 10 defense in the NFL. Do you think that's a fraudulent rating? Do you think they come back down to earth where they're really like a top 16, top 15 defense? Or are you buying that they're a top 10?
1: No, you nailed it right there, man. Like, I think they're more of a middle of the pack than a top tenner. But the schedule is going to allow you to float around the ten mark, Dave. I really do believe that. I don't know if – and, and I, I think the Chargers game this weekend is going to be a great litmus test because of the Chargers, they can score. Uh, You know, the Jets have a great defense, and they kind of – you know, they they took care of business yesterday. So I do want to see them against the Chargers. They have weapons, Um, you know – the Chargers have a problem with the receiving core right now and injuries, but you know I think that right now I would rather see this offense do a little. I would rather this team rely on this offense, Dave. I'll put it that way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one question I have with this with this defense and Aaron Glenn in particular is. I know we talked about the, the ability to play against mobile quarterbacks. And and I think sometimes when you say mobile quarterbacks, we immediately think about like Lamar Jackson and a quarterback running for 50 or 60 yards. But really, like when I think of mobile quarterbacks, I think of a Geno Smith. Geno Smith's not going to run, but Geno Smith can use his legs to extend a play. And you notice, again, like when they played against a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, Brant, he kept plays alive and he's dancing back there out in the pocket he's getting outside and i that brings up the question mark once again is these dbs like how much can they hang on um and and i do wonder and i think you're gonna see even like with uh with herbert uh this this coming weekend herbert's another quarterback that can extend plays with his legs i think it's gonna be a really good litmus test like you said to see how they hold up even josh dobbs Brant. Justin Fields is supposed to be coming back this Thursday. I mean, they're gonna we're gonna kind of find out a lot about this defense cuz quarterbacks like that in in particular have kind of, you know, been the, the Lions' kryptonite here. Um and I know it's a small sample size, so I'm not overreacting to that, but I think it's just something to, to keep an eye on moving forward. Brant, next question for you. I want to talk Jared Goff for a second. Has he done enough? Now, I know he he's been very good this year if ended the end of the year good last year, has he done enough right now as it stands today to warrant a contract extension?
1: Oh, 2021 Brant would just absolutely slap me. Like, but I would tell these tiny
0: hands. (laughs) Listen, I remember the podcast.
1: (laughs) Listen, man, this guy has proven everybody wrong, including me. Give me the largest plate of crow you can find. Um, I would probably be the last one on Golf Hater Island, but you know what? My ship's here, man. I got to get on. I got to get off this island because I'm the only one left. Um, props to Jared Goff, man. And I think that I think that's something that we don't talk about enough, Dave and it's going to really come into play as the season winds down here and as we head towards playoff time you know what the the, the murmurs are going to be of lions fans are going to be like yeah our quarterback actually has been to a super bowl too like here's a little known fact about jared goff he played in the super bowl he's led a playoff run like that's actually going to be a huge feather in his cap when it comes around here I, did, I do think it took time to get the system in place. It's up and going. He seems to be flourishing in it. Him and Dan Campbell are on the same page. Shoot, him and Brad Holmes are on the same page. Like He seems like such an organizational guy. He's bought in with the organization. And you know what, Dave? There's something to be said for that. You know, It's not all about on-the-field performance. I mean, that's 90% of it. But 10% is being a dude off the field, working with the organization, talking about salary contracts, you know, putting your voice into who we should draft, you know, like I believe that Jared Goff is the leader of this team should be consulted for some of that stuff. And I just think he's a face of a franchise. Um, and I think absolutely you want a guy like that locked up and his performance on the field because he's not like, because he's not dependent on his flags. Like, he, he's a dude that could, like, survive for a while in a pocket. And as long as you have a great offensive line like you already have, then it should be no problem locking him up to a four- or five-year contract.
0: Brant, it's so hard for me because I just, to Jared Goff's credit, I mean, I think we all doubted him at some point. Maybe some did not. We certainly both did. Um, and he has done everything in his power to to change that narrative. I have such a hard time, Brent, of letting go of Jared Goff, the Ram, and seeing how that all ended there and how bad it got to the point where he was benched. And I don't even remember the guy's name. He was they were like, playing. he was like kind of
1: hurt though too. Remember, like he did have some injuries and stuff like that. Um, yeah, dude, yeah. I can't remember the guy's name either. But
0: sorry. I but it got it got really really bad. Jared Goff looks like a different quarterback. Um let's not forget he was the number 1 overall pick. Uh and I, sometimes flowers bloom a little bit later. Maybe that's the case with Jared Goff. Um it I want to say it hurts me to say because I do agree at this point you got you got to pay him. I don't know where you go from here. He is definitely good enough especially in this offense. Um I think that that yeah, he's your guy. The only thing I will say before I ask you this next question is if Ben Johnson leaves and gets a head coaching job somewhere, like, is there anything in the back of my mind that says, like, is this some, like – Ben Johnson magic, um, or is it a lot of Dan Campbell, too, that has his hand in this pot to, to make Jared Goff successful in this system? Um, I hope it's Dan Campbell. I feel like he's definitely a part of that. But it's just something, that's like as you constantly hear Ben Johnson um, mentioned as a as a potential future head coach, I'm just, I don't know. I don't want to talk myself out of it, but um, I, I'm like 95% yes. Pay the man, give him a contract extension. All right, Brant. Quickly, these ones are short. Um, biggest disappointment right now, um, player, part of the team, anything with the Lions. What's been the biggest disappointment this halfway point of the year? And and I can go first if I know I'm putting you on the spot. We didn't rehearse any of these, so um, whatever you want to do.
1: No, yeah, you are kind of putting me on the spot here. But how about the secondary, Dave? I'll just start there. Um, you know, it's been such an up and down roller coaster. Um, when Brian Branch isn't in, it just seems like a completely different unit. Um, you know, Jerry Jacobs has had his, his days, you know. And I don't know if you really consider that a disappointment, but coming in the season, we did talk about, hey, this could be actually a strength of this team. Now, the depth was always an issue, Dave, and we did talk about that. And they have had those concerns since then. So um, I think we had that as like a, a B minus, B area coming in the season it's really turned out to be more of a C or C minus. Um, and it's really hard to pick apart this team and, and to really find a, find, a, find a real disappointment outside of the easy cherry pick that I'm sure you'll do with Jameson Williams, but I'll let you do that. Um, but I, I really think the secondary as a whole has been kind of just meh.
0: You know me all too well, my friend. Yeah. j is just the, the ultimate disappointment right now. I keep saying like, I hope he proves me wrong. I hope he proves me wrong. Brant, at this point, I need like a larger sample size for him to prove me wrong. Like, I don't need a game where he has two huge plays. and Because I've seen enough right now for me to be beyond concerned, um, whether it's his hands or just not being where he needs to be. Jameson Williams is, uh, is nothing short of a disappointment right now and not somebody that this team can really rely on moving forward. And I think what's most disappointing is, they need, they literally need a Jamison Williams and who he was supposed to be for this offense. Like if he is who he was supposed to be, that will take this offense to a whole new level. That's why it's just so disappointing to me as I'm like, what are they going to do at the trade deadline? Are they going to make a move? And it's like. Dude, you traded up to get J-Mo, and he was supposed to be that guy to um, to stretch things down the field, be your big play guy, and he just has not been it. So he's my biggest disappointment. Brent, you called it. On the opposite side of this, your biggest surprise or your most pleasant surprise so far, Dave.
1: You know this is kind of interesting um, because I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a little bit different here that you probably are not gonna expect. How about the kicking game? How about Riley Patterson just being good? Like, I don't expect you to be great, but Dave, this has been, like, bad for the last couple years, right? You couldn't rely on the kicking game for Detroit. Like, it was an up and down. Dan's going for it on fourth and four in the second quarter, (laughs) you know, at the 31-yard line. Like, what are we doing? Like, just kick the three. Just still take the three. But I never felt like he felt comfortable with any of the field goal kickers that he has had. Riley Patterson has stepped in there 11 of 13 for the year. He's been just fine. And I don't think they're like overdoing it with him. Dan's still going for it on fourth down at a decent clip, but to run a dude out there that you feel comfortable, like, hey, this guy can make a 50 yard game winner and we feel comfortable with it. I mean, that to me has been the biggest surprise, Dave, really.
0: Hey, that's fair. Was not expecting the kicking game to come up in the podcast, but that is a uh, shout out Riley Patterson. Yeah. I, I cannot disagree with that. Um, mine brand has got to be the, the second round picks, both of them, Brian branch. I mean, he's like out of the gate, your first or second best defensive player, like next to Hutch. And, The fact that he just came in so ready to play after he kind of slipped out of the first round and into the second. Um, I know his combine test wasn't wasn't great. He is a... They got a steal. They got an absolute steal in Brian Branch. And I love that, dude. He's going to be a staple of this team moving forward. And then Sam Laporta, too. Sam Laporta is already, in my opinion, like a top-five tight end in this league. Maybe that's an exaggeration. But he does... Honestly, what... Thought T.J. Hawkinson was going to do, and I know Hock has been good in Minnesota. But he blocks. He's reliable in the in the passing game. He's a weapon on offense. Um, he just does all the little things. Um, those Iowa tight ends. But yeah, I think just man, Sam Laporta, instant contributor. Um, and and really, he's an impact person on this team. And then Brian Branch, when healthy absolute stud my, my most pleasant surprises so far shout out brad holmes for the way he continues to to just draft um so i'll give him the i'll give him the jmo pick on that on, on that note um go ahead you no know, there's just
1: dave you you just kind of hit on it. that i think it's kind of funny like hey there's certain colleges that you would go to and be like hey just go ahead and draft this dude out of alabama secondary they're all really really good Oh, hey, those tight ends from Iowa, they're all pretty dang sweet, dude. Just go grab you one of those. So like, while you say it's a surprise, it's not a surprise out of these schools that these kids come from that you're like, man, Laporta was a dude at Iowa. You know how hard it is to be a dude in that offense to be a guy that gets drafted? If you're taking anybody from Iowa in the second round, they better be him. And he definitely turned out that way. So yeah, fantastic point by you.
0: All right. So, last one, Brant, um predictions the rest of the season. Lions currently 6 and 2. I think when we made our beginning of the year predictions, I was at 12 and 5. Brant, you were at 11 and 6. Does that sound familiar? I believe. Um Yeah, I think
1: I was 11 and 6. I was just shy of that. Yeah.
0: Just yep, I think I think so. So, your prediction the rest of the way. Where do you see this Lions team finishing out?
1: Dave, I'm going to up it, man. 13 or 4. Let's roll. I do see a couple more losses on the schedule as I look it up and down. I, I think going to L.A. this next weekend, it's a tough spot. I think that they could get caught up there. Um, Herbert, very good. We don't have to go over this, Dave. We don't have to spend the podcast talking about how good Justin Herbert is. Just know that he is a, a top five, top ten quarterback. He's definitely in that realm. So he, he's going to bring it and um, – I also believe that when they go down to Dallas, that's going to be a statement game. If they can get that done down there, Dak Prescott is playing at a top 10 quarterback level right now. Um, So just a couple of very tough quarterbacks left on the schedule. And we talked about those Vikings games, Dave, already. Justin Fields back for the bears might catch one there. You know, there's just, this schedule is soft. Don't get me wrong, but there are games left on there that I think the lions can get got. So give me 13 and four.
0: Fair enough. I'm going to stick with my 12 and five because if I see them finishing these last eight games five and three, it just sounds so realistic and doable to me that, like, I just, I'm just going to stand pat. I think 12 and five, and with the original prediction that they will win the division and they will host a playoff game at Ford Field, I think that's, that, that has got to continue to be the goal. And I think that's a very, very real possibility here. Um, All right, Brant, whoo, bring us into the bets.
1: Dave, you and I have continued to be very good on the bet train. Um, we are we are both over uh, 55% right now. We are doing well. Dave, you know, we always talk about your slow start, but how you've got it together, man. We're all very proud of you. <laughs> you know, we love the work that you've done. So let's keep the hot, hot hands going. Michigan, traveling to Happy Valley. We already kind of talked about this kind of a funny smelling line here Dave five and a half Penn State getting it at home
0: I love that I I I would be hopping on that tonight I will take Michigan to cover five and a half points Um, got a lot of confidence in this team this weekend not feeling as scared of Penn State as I as I was even a few few weeks ago month ago feel confident they can get this done. Not going to be easy, but I think they cover five and a half. What about you?
1: Dave, just by eye test alone tells you that Michigan can win this game by 14 to 21 points. And the only question that is going to come in here, Dave, that you and I and any better in the world can't take into account turnovers. You can never take into account how many turnovers a team might have. Now, that's where this game could get scary for Michigan. Anything... I think two turnovers and below, Michigan wins by a comfortable level of 7 to 14 points. So, give me Michigan. Um, all right, Dave. Ole Miss traveling down to Georgia. A lot of people don't know this. Ole Miss, one loss. They have the one loss to Bama. The 10th ranked team traveling to Athens, much like Missouri was 12 last week traveling to Athens. Georgia favored by 10 and a half this week. That's lower than they were favored against um, Missouri last week.
0: I'm aware of where Ole Miss is ranked, and I have been kind of just keeping an eye on them from afar. They clearly have a lot to play for. I just think this Georgia team is going to continue to get better and better and impose their will on the rest of the country. And this is why I've said, like, I would not pull Georgia from the number one ranking overall um, until somebody can beat them, and I still haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I'm going to take Georgia to cover 10.5 points. What about you?
1: Dave, Lane Kiffin is. Uh, not good in games like this like this is not a lane kiffin spot where i expect him to win this game uh the coaching edge goes to georgia the offense uh edge goes to georgia and obviously the defensive edge goes to georgia so give me georgia by 21 plus this weekend um miami at florida state florida state catching 14 and a, or florida state favored by 14 and a half at home over the hurricanes dave florida state number four
0: who do you like Florida State's had their share of close games this year. Um, I, I will take Miami plus 14 and a half. I cannot say I've watched a ton of Miami football, um, but I could I just got a feeling this one may be closer than uh, than, than two touchdowns. What about you?
1: Dave, I am going to take Florida State here. I think that this team has been – they are as close as they have been in a very long time to getting a playoff spot. Now, they're not buttoned up as a Michigan, as a Georgia, as even an Oregon right now. Like, they are just not a buttoned-up program. So they do tend to get a little loose. But I think the closer that teams like that get to the finish line, they start to, like, know where they need to be. So I will take Florida State to cover the 14-and-a-half. Um, okay. Hottest team in the NFL. We just talked about them. The Baltimore Ravens at home against kind of a sneaky good Browns team, like, The Brownies are not a bad football team. They have a great defense. Everybody knows that. Um, Ravens favored by six at home.
0: I know the Ravens have been red hot after scorching the Lions and then the Seahawks. Brant, this is a divisional game, and you said it. The Browns are sneaky, sneaky good and can hang around. Um, That defense is good, and I I think this is going to be a close game. I will take the Browns plus six here. What about you?
1: I love that play. I was hoping you would just blindly go with the Ravens. I'm going to ride with you. Um, It seems like a spot. And Dave, we talk about divisional games all the time, man. They're just way closer than they need to be for whatever reason. This thing has 1310 written all over it. So give me the Browns to keep it close enough. All right. Lions at Chargers in LA. Four o'clock kick on Sunday. I love these four o'clock games, Dave. I know you don't like them. You like the one o'clockers. I love the late afternoon games uh, on a fall night. So, two and a half Chargers getting them at home.
0: Oof. this is gonna be such a such a good test for the uh, for the Lions. I'm I'm gonna take the Lions here. I do. I, I like the two and a half. I think they're a better team. I watched the Chargers. I they I they looked good against uh the Jets, but this team's beatable. They're flawed. Um and I I just think the Lions coming into full health here. I like what they're about to to show up and do here this weekend. What about you?
1: Dave, I'm gonna rock with the Chargers here in the two and a half. I just feel like this is a tough spot for the Lions this weekend and I mean, I've kind of nailed the tough spots for them already. So I just, I, I like the Chargers with the two and a half. I mean, Lions could win by one or two, but I do like the Chargers with the two and
0: a half points here. All right. Sounds good. Do you have a lock of the week for us or not this week?
1: No, we're we're avoiding the lock this week. There was nothing on the board. And I say this all the time to anybody that bets. Don't overbet yourself out of stuff, man. Like if you don't see anything you absolutely love, you don't got to bet it. Don't bet it.
0: Hey. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, on that note, thank you for sticking with us here on Garage Takes. Like I said before, if you have not done so already, make sure you like, follow, subscribe to the podcast, um, and also hop on that YouTube channel as well. We look forward to uh, being back with you guys next week. Thanks for sticking with us. <laughs> Riverside.